1: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the JitteryMonkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko, and joining me, excited as he's ever been for game day, is Hoss Reuter. Hoss, it's not how we anticipate going to the big house. Uh, I mean, we, I, I'm not going to lie, a month ago we thought we'd have three games under our belt uh, by this time. Uh but we're not quite where we need to be, and as we talked earlier in the week, uh, there's going to be some growing pains. There's patience is a virtue, and Husker fans need to, need to learn that sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, definitely thought we'd be three and zero rolling into Ann Arbor, but uh, this season's taking a different track. And as we talked about on the the Troy Review overreaction episode. Um gotta be patient but yeah didn't see O and two coming
1: nobody did i don't think uh we, we were riding high as a kite going into the akron game mother nature shot mm-hmm. us down and uh uh from there uh it, it's been shooting ourselves in the foot uh against colorado and troy with mistakes miscues turnovers missed field goals missed opportunities to get points on the board uh unable to uh, you know, move the sticks on third and fourth and short, and uh, and here we are. Like we said, we're zero and two. We're joined as as we've uh, been fortunate enough to do the last few weeks now by a member of the opposition uh, from maizeandbrew.com, which is the Michigan Wolverines SB Nation site. We are joined by Josh Lafond. Josh, welcome to the Five Heart Podcast. Happy to be here, guys. So we got We got to talk about it. Right away. Uh, where was the Michigan st- uh, fan standpoint or, or uh, a mind frame after the 2017 season?
3: You know, that's such a tough question, man. Um, I think, really, if you were on the fence before, I'm thinking if Harbaugh was the guy or not. Unfortunately, you probably jumped off. Um, a few of us still remained on the bandwagon, of course. But, you know, going 8-5. and five, having a month to prepare for South Carolina in the Outback Bowl, and then really just a total offensive collapse in the second half of that game really derailed what fans thought you know might be a springboard into this year, um, especially losing the way they did to Ohio State, being up 14-0 in the first half, dropped pick six, um, or dropped interception that would have turned into a pick six, rather. John Corn failing to lead Michigan back to a victory, of course, the Michigan State game. Um, it was a rough year overall, man. And uh, like I said, if you were on the fence before, um, going eight and five probably took you off, or at least tapered your expectations for where this team was going. Well,
1: you know what's worse than eight and five is four and eight. So,
3: you know what? That is a good point, man. That is a good point.
1: We, it, it's not any secret that Wolverines lost uh, a lot of talent in the offseason. Who were some of those, you know, key departures, and in who's. Uh, been stepping up through the first three weeks of the season that have been uh, filling those roles.
3: You are so right, man. Um, you know, last year Michigan was one of the youngest teams going into college football, lost a ton of seniors, um, but especially this year, you know, like you alluded to, they did lose some, some, some key guys, um, especially on the, on the offensive line. Uh, Mason Cole was a four year starter, was kind of like a jack of all trades guy, really um, actually starting now for the Arizona Cardinals at the center. Uh, that's really a guy that Michigan could use right now, especially with the tackle situation being up in the air um, that it currently is. He would really at least shore up one of those left or right tackle positions. And then, of course, Maurice Hurst, who is an All-Big Ten, uh, one of the best linemen that I've ever seen at Michigan in my lifetime, is now out uh, out there in Oakland playing for John Gruden and whatever situation they have going on there. Um, and, you know... I don't really think Michigan fans expected to see some of these younger guys replace that talent and production um, that Mohurst had, but you at least were hoping for, for someone to at least kind of be a poor man's version of him or even just a group of guys to rotate in there. And they've been struggling, uh, to be honest, it, defensive tackle, nose tackle, trying to keep that interior of the line um, in good shape on defense. But uh, – a, a guy that's kind of emerging right now is Carlo Kemp, uh, fourth year guy, redshirt junior at this point under Harbaugh, was taken in his first recruiting class. Um, he's really starting to do a good job of getting good penetration, good push up front. You know, it was against Western Michigan, it was against Southern Methodists. So you'd like to see that translate this week um, against Scott Frost and the Huskers. But that's a guy that's kind of fixing that, that void right there. And then getting back to the offensive line. Um, the interior is actually coming together pretty good under Ed Warner uh, out of Ohio State. And then last year out of uh, Minnesota. Really good offensive line coach. He's really developing these guys good. But the tackle position is something that's held Michigan back along with the offensive line as a whole ever since Lloyd Carr walked out of town. I mean, if we're being honest. And you got uh, Ben Bredesen at left guard, Cesar Ruiz at center, Michael on at right guard. All three guys, um, you'll become accustomed to hearing their names over the next couple of years. They have a lot of talent, but a left and right tackle, that's still a major, major concern with John Runyon Junior who's a generous uh six three, six three and a half listed on the uh, roster. Probably isn't that tall. Duan Bushel Beatty, um, who's been inconsistent for his entire Michigan career, is a plus run bo- is a plus run blocker, I'm tongue twister if I can say it and uh, really struggles in pass pro. So, you really want to see some improvement out of those guys, but it's tough man. It's it's a really tough situation with the tackle positions.
1: Haas, to, to pick your brain here uh, briefly as, as uh, Josh was telling us about uh you know some of the new names, new faces, new bodies up front on the offensive line. From Nebraska's standpoint, one of their strengths has been The defensive line, uh, ranked number two in the country in sacks, as far as uh, sacks per game average, uh, they have 10 over two games. uh, Most of the teams, obviously, on the list all have three games, and they might have some more, but averaging five sacks a game, seven, of course, of those uh, happened in the opener against Colorado. But the defensive uh, front four for Nebraska is in in this type of matchup, I don't want to I don't want to say that they're favored, but, you know, they have to be looking at that as, as possibly an experience advantage hoss.
2: Yeah. Uh, the three starters along our de- defensive line, Nick Stoltenberg, Ben Stille, and Freedom, I'm not going to even attempt to say his last name. Um, very experienced. It's going to be interesting to see how Michigan handles our front three with how we run the tight front with our DNs aligned inside the offensive tackle on his inside shoulder. And as we've seen with our own offensive line, our own offensive line in year one of Greg Austin, there's a learning curve with the new offensive line coach. Granted, Michigan has a, you know, the same structure in place from an offensive philosophy standpoint, but I'm really looking forward to that matchup. Um, as much as I'd like to say that we have the advantage at this point, I'd still say we're a little unproven because Colorado and Troy's offensive lines aren't exactly that uh, you know big Big Ten offensive line filled with you know guys from you know the upper Midwest and highly ranked recruits. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out.
1: Josh, has there been any you know talk on the forums or or uh, you know maybe in the Maize and Brew uh, comment sections about this particular matchup, the uh, offensive line for Michigan and the defensive line for Nebraska. And what what is, what is that conversation sounding like if, if there has been some chatter?
3: You know, I really think that's something that maybe is falling under the radar that Michigan fans should probably concern themselves with a good bit. Um, that's something that, that honestly scares me, to be honest. Um, the interior of the line, not so much, but especially like Haas uh, was just saying, the way you guys are running your scheme right now um, really is – not going to be to the benefit of the left and right tackle and that's Michigan's biggest um, weakness on offense and probably the entire team at this point. So, it's going to be super interesting man. Um, I know a lot of Michigan fans are really hoping to see a couple of the freshmen red redshirt freshmen as I'm doing air quotes, studs (laughs) um, you know that are supposed to be poised to break out. They got a little bit of run Um, the guys I'm alluding to Jalen Mayfield out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, he does have a ton of talent, and he's probably will be a starter either at some point this year or next year. Um, true freshman came in this summer. And then redshirt freshman James Hudson uh, out, of, out of Toledo, Ohio, um, converted from defensive line. You know, he's still got a learning curve, but he's got a ton of potential too. And those were guys that Michigan fans want to say, hey, you know, they got a ton of potential, let's ride with them, but – this point ed warner and harbaugh have stuck with uh runyon jr and bushel vady who are both upperclassmen and so it's it's going to be interesting man i'm not saying that with a ton of confidence right (laughs) now but but it's going to be pretty interesting to see uh if they can at least tread water and keep Shea addison from getting killed
1: the wolverines are number 19 uh heading into this weekend uh two and one the loss happened in the first week of the season it's a, it, it's a rivalry game and I'll be honest with you Joshua was the game that I was watching as our, our Huskers were getting rained out uh, Michigan Notre Dame uh, first of all let's I'm curious from from an outsider looking in uh, and I say this full disclosure and if you share this on your social media Michigan fans listen to this um, this is probably where we're going to lose them this might be where <laughs> we lose you but Rudy, Rudy is my all-time favorite movie.
3: Oh, good lord!
1: Shut up! Shut You've got to be
3: freaking kidding me!
1: Don't 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 start. I'm not. It's based on a true story. I know that aspects are true. They're kernels of truth. Anyway, don't.
3: Yeah, di- can I mention this? Um, wasn't Rudy just recently arrested for tax evasion? No idea. Okay. Also, he was yeah. offsides. Also, he was offsides. That's a really great. Definitely thing. offsides. Yep. Definitely offsides. And. Um, technically, his second penalty, you know, like I just mentioned, was tax evasion, which is not talked about enough. That's at least a fifteen-yard penalty. And I mean, think it pulled, pulled sure
1: not in the Big Ten. Let's be let's be honest. Big Ten g- gets away with a lot.
2: I call of Urban officiating cruise.
1: I'm just saying. There's yeah. anyway. Um, I, I like I said. I I thought that might be where I lost you. But I'm going back to my memories, my joy is watching that as a child. So get off my shit. Um, But I've got to know, as a curious fan from the outside looking in, how did the Michigan-Notre Dame rivalry start? What's the history there?
3: Well, you know, Michigan, uh, believe it or not, actually taught Notre Dame how to play football. Um, Fielding Yost, who is somewhat of a, a god around Ann Arbor, bigger than Jim Harbaugh. I'm sorry. You know what? I can't even say that sentence. Close to Jim Harbaugh level, um, really was the one that put Michigan football on the map. Back when we did win championships back in the uh, early 1900s, um, they stopped off uh, in Indiana, taught Notre Dame how to play football, and it just kind of took off from there. And you know, I, I really think it's a rivalry that it's got a ton of history. It's got a ton of history to it. People know about it. People talk about it. But there is a pure hate that Michigan fans and Notre Dame fans have towards each other that reminds me so much of the Ohio State rivalry. And I know, don't at me. Don't come at me, <laughs> Michigan fans who are listening to this. But it's true. I've grown up in Midwest Michigan. I've got family in Indiana. i got family in Ohio, friends, all that stuff. And the pure hate is just, it's, it's out of this world, man. And uh, it's a crazy rivalry.
1: So so in the minds of, of most Michigan fans, would you say then that, I mean, is Ohio State the bigger rival then?
3: Oh, yeah, for okay. sure. I mean, sorry, don't want to hype up uh, your boy Rudy too much. <laughs> but Ohio State will, this, despite all of the recent lack of success, which is just tearing my heartstrings right now. By the way, JT was short. Um, I'll take that to my dying grave. Uh Ohio State's still the top, though,
2: and they always will be. See, I'm learning. It's all good. I'm learning. Uh, Just real quick, I wanted to say I watched that 2016 Michigan-Ohio State game with a friend of mine who's a Michigan fan. I've never seen someone so defeated in their entire life after the spot, and uh, I come from, I hail from a family of diehard Husker fans and watching games with them and my own reactions that I know I've, done, you know, to bad calls, bad plays, but he took the cake,
3: man. Like, my heart went out to him that day. I will mention this to you, Haas. Hypothetically, I may or may not have uh, immediately left the man cave, went upstairs, proceeded to down an entire apple pie with a single glass of milk, and wake up four (laughs) hours later after the Alabama Auburn game had ended. I mean, totally (laughs) hypothetical scenario, but you know, um, that definitely ripped my heart out, man. I've never been that sick over a game in my entire life. Grew up a complete Detroit sports fan. I've seen it all, and that one takes the cake. Man, that's that hypothetical. It's it's rough. The it event, is rough, man. The it events is really and, rough on the scales. The next day, hypothetically. Go the, ahead. Sorry, Greg. I was going
1: to say the events and descriptions uh, found therein are, are fictitious in nature, probably.
2: Um, yeah. Historic yeah. recreation.
1: That's right. Yeah. And. The, Going back to that that game in week one against Notre Dame, falling short uh, by a touchdown. Uh, But, you know, a top ten Notre Dame team is obviously different from a Western Michigan or an SMU. uh, But that offense came alive in weeks two and three, uh, putting up an average of 47 points over those two weeks. Was it just the the, the level of competition, or or was there, you know, something else that changed in Ann Arbor between weeks one and two?
3: I like the way you phrased that, Greg. I mean, completely honestly, I I really do like the way you asked that question. Kudos. Um, but I wouldn't say that something necessarily changed. This team has a ton of upperclassmen, not, not all seniors. I'm um, not going to be like the way their 2016 team was that did lose to Ohio State, as I'm uh, gagging saying that. That team was loaded with seniors. This team has a lot of juniors, a lot of redshirt sophomores on it. But these guys were super hungry. Um, and I know that's always like, oh, yeah, yeah, we get that. Every team says that. But really, these guys were – it just had a completely different feel about it. This had the, the 97 feel, the 06 feel. This had the makings of at least the top five team. You could tell that they wanted it. And the way I would compare that loss to is just out of curiosity for Nebraska fans listening, or even for you guys, go back and watch Jim Harbaugh's first game in Michigan um, as, a, as a head coach. Yep, Utah, 2015. Jake Rudock, new quarterback, granted not as talented as Shea Patterson. Um, the talent on the team was not where it is now. Utah probably then is not as good as Notre Dame is now, but they're comparable. On the road, Utah, by the way, underrated in hostile environment. Um, it was tough because you get down in a hole like that with a team that almost feels like it's overhyped. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but you just have this buildup. Like, like back then, it's Harbaugh's first game. We're going to go into Utah, so, you know, punch him in the mouth, and get out of there with the W. It kind of felt like that against Notre Dame. It's like, this is the team. This is, this is our shot at the playoff. We got Shea Patterson. The offensive line's got a new coach. You know, hopefully they'll just tread water. That's all we need. The defense is coming back um, from one of the best in college football over the past two, three years. And you just really expected them to punch them in the mouth, and it's like almost you could tell they played so tight; it was just, it was just a team to me that seemed like they were just overhyped, that just knew that what they had to do, and just you know spent the whole six, seven months of the offseason preparing for it and psyching themselves up for it, and then you get punched in the mouth with a couple Brandon Wimbush 50-50 balls and a couple questionable calls by the refs and. Get down fourteen nothing twenty one three. That's a tough hole to get out of.
2: Definitely, especially against a team like Notre Dame. Yep, with and, the defense that they have,
3: that's tough. And and
2: Husker yeah, that's a, fans, it's a pretty violent front seven. Husker yep.
1: fans, it, 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 very recent memory are are no uh, stranger to buying into the hype. As Haas and I talked about earlier in the week, we bought into the Scott Frost hype. You know, jumped in with both feet and. Now you got. I, I saw a picture on Twitter just today, and there's a, uh, somebody. You can't see his face, obviously, but he's holding signs to say, uh, uh, "You know, Scott sucks and zero oh two, and bring back Riley." I'm like, "Hold oh, on, Lord, no. hold on, t- you t- got to be kidding me!" That I, I will, I will share the tweet uh, on this post so that everybody can see it. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm hoping that it's you know just a a fake fan or you know somebody. Out there playing a practical joke, but you never know. Um, you gotta hope you like lost a bet or something. Exactly, uh, but you, you know, they're like, I I bought into the hype, uh, but you know, things like that, it's going to take a little while to turn the, the Nebraska ship around. I realize that, but but uh, when when you look at the Notre Dame game, and then you know Western Michigan and SMU, of course you're, you're playing at home. You're, you're you know bringing you know some lesser teams in. Good, good warm-up games to, uh, I, I think, prepare uh, Michigan for Big Ten battles.
3: Yeah, um, I completely agree with you, man. I was actually at the Western game. Um, that is – this is going to sound stupid, and sorry, guys, I really don't care. I don't care if it's Western. I don't care if it's North Dakota State. Um, I don't care how big the talent margin is. Michigan last year did not put teams away. They did not. You can go back and look at the box score and watch the highlights from the Cincinnati game home opener. I was also there. That was one of the sloppiest games I've ever seen in my life. Air Force game. Should have never been that close. Um, even Rutgers later in the year. That team didn't have a killer instinct. Not saying this team has a killer instinct. But to win the way they did, um, even against freaking Western Michigan, there was a lot of times in that game when it was just like, oh, crap this is going to turn into an ugly, ugly game. isn't it? And that's just what you felt like. And it, 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 didn't, I mean, a lot of that has to do with shape Patterson um, making the right throws. A lot of that has to do with that defense, but it just, it did have a different feel. And I think that's something that the fan base really needed. Um, and then as far as SMU goes, the offense was firing on all cylinders for the second straight week in a row. And really, if you count the second half, of the Notre Dame game, mostly the fourth quarter, they were rolling since then, um, the defense gave up some big plays, but, you know, Sunny Dykes is going to run an air raid, wide open offense. You kind of expect to give up some points, but there was a lot of stuff that can be easily cleaned up in that game where you play that nine more times out of ten and you don't give up 20 points like they did last week. So there's a lot of positives to take away over the last two weeks for him.
1: Josh, you mentioned – Speak you. Of...
2: Go ahead. No, Haas, I insist. Okay. Ooh. Speaking of the offense against SMU, I want to ask you uh, I haven't had a chance to watch much of anything concerning yeah. Michigan so far this season. Uh, how has Harbaugh's offense changed with Shea Patterson as quarterback? You know, being more of a dual threat guy, is it more similar to what he was doing out in San Francisco when he had Colin Kaepernick, or is it you know just a little bit of shotgun stuff mixed in with you know Big Ten football, 22, 21, 22 personnel?
3: Oh, so three, or three yards in a cloud of dust. Um, you know, yep. you're always going to see that. He is a Bo Beckler disciple. So you will see the full back run, understand your stuff, no matter what time of the game it is. Um, but honestly, man, I really hope they do open up the offense. By all accounts, they are. Um, Michael Onwenu, who I just mentioned earlier, um, has a ton of potential at a right guard who's starting. He just said in the press conference this week, they've shown about half the playbook. Um, you can take that one of two ways. It's either, wow, these guys are saving them for a Big Ten play when you get into the meat of the schedule, which honestly I thought was going to um, be against Nebraska this week, um, against Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. But then part of you is thinking, okay, why didn't you open it up against Western and Southern Methodist? Um, but, so you, you'd like to think that maybe there's going to be some more pistol stuff? Like... Hard ball with Kaepernick back in San Fran. Um, I don't think it's going to be the same though. To answer your question, Haas, because Kaepernick was just—he's he, different than Shea. Shea's oh, yeah. much—he's a much more accurate passer. Um, I was a Colin fan, still am for the most part. Don't at me. Um, he was an accurate passer. Colin had a had a really nice deep ball, had a nice intermediate game, but his short throws really struggled. Um, and he was a much more dynamic runner. Now, don't get me wrong, Shea. Shea is a dual threat, um, but he's one of those more. I compare more like to Russell Wilson, where you know he's got the legs to move. He's not going to beat you in a forty yard dash like Kaepernick would, but he's going to be able to scramble around and just piss you off enough if you're the other team and pick up mm. ten yards. He's just yeah, quick coverage. enough to get out. Yep, point. yep, just quick enough to avoid the sack, get ten yards, and think, holy crap, why didn't we sack this guy? So I don't necessarily know if we're going to run a lot more of that zone read stuff like they ran with Kaepernick, especially in the first couple of years. But I think, I think more than anything, I would look for some more pistol um, looks and a little bit more shotgun, um, especially this week. And and actually, Michigan has been running a ton out of shotgun. But I would look for a lot more pistol as the Big Ten season starts.
2: Hoss, you know what? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked to see Michigan run a lot more pistol against. No, us on Saturday, as you were saying, because the way we try to, you know, spill runs to the outside and just plug interior gaps, that's going to leave some stuff open on the edge for Patterson on zone read keepers or you know just scrambles off of a busted pass play.
1: And I was I was going to uh, chime in that you know Haas, you know what really helps a Nebraska fans sleep at night is Russell Wilson. So. Uh,
2: God. So any comparison? I I still don't know if I'm over that, or I'm over because we never had a shot in that game. But just how ugly that 48-17 game was, our baptism into the Big Ten. I remember
1: remember watching (laughs) baptism
2: by fire. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can still see Monty Ball or Monte Ball. I can never keep the pronunciation straight. (laughs) Changed so many times. Uh, Just running through that defense. Ugh.
1: I'll never forget I was watching that game from uh, the Pacific Coast in Oregon, and uh, it was a long Saturday night on vacation watching that football game drinking beer. So uh, I'm I'm glad it's – What's that?
2: That sounds rough.
1: Well, the vacation itself was fine, but that was a long night. Um, Josh, before we let you go – you, you, obviously, we've talked about Shea Patterson. Who are some other names that Husker fans need to uh, be aware of come
3: Saturday? Well, where would you want me to start at, Greg? Offense or defense? I'll let you make the call.
1: Uh, flip a coin. Uh, defense.
3: All right, sweet. So most Husker fans are probably going to be familiar with Rashawn Gary. Um, hot take. He's good. Um, <laughs> sure. I'd imagine that Scott Frost would have something drawn up where he's going to be taking a lot of double teams a lot of triple teams um actually believe it or not he has even taken a quadruple team um there's a video of western michigan quadruple teaming him um and he still almost made the tackle so he's an athletic freak despite what um michigan rashawn gary air quote truthers and other big 10 michigan state (laughs) ohio state fan truthers are saying about rashawn gary he's actually pretty decent um so i would expect him to have a big impact At least, you know, at the very minimum, drawing stuff away. So Chase Winovich, the other defensive end, can come around the other side. Um, He's got a lot of talent, too. That guy plays with the highest motor that I think I've ever seen in the maize and blue, possibly in the Big Ten in the last uh, few years. He is relentless and is the epitome of the blue-collar athlete, lunch pail, whatever whatever other um, adjective you want to use for that said player. Um, on defense, I would keep your eye on the safeties because despite Michigan having the vaunted defense under Don Brown, the safeties have been atrocious, for lack of a better word, um, for the last two seasons, especially on slot baits, especially on covering man-to-man coverage in the slot. Um, since the 16th season, it's been brutal. Tyree Cannell is a senior. Um, they've got a lot of faith in him. He, he's a leader of the team. He's, in fact, he's a captain. Um, but his main coverage is rough at times. Um, Josh Metellus is next to him. Metellus, just to give you a summary, um, Haas and Greg, and also all you lovely Husker fans, of his career in the maize and blue. Um, he, last week, and this perfectly describes his career, um, has a pass interference call, um, roughing the passer, and then immediately, right before halftime, returns a 78-yard uh, pick-six for a touchdown. I mean, that's pretty much what pick-six is, right? Sorry. But uh, then in the second half, he gets hit with another uh, personal foul. So he's all over the board. He plays with a lot of emotion. If he gets rocked early, that might be a storyline. Um, Brad Hawkins is pushing him. He's a former wide receiver kind of in that Malik Hooker mold out of Ohio State, super athletic. Um, you would like to think that maybe he could develop somewhere to where Malik was, maybe not as good because Malik was a really special talent. But Brad's better in man coverage. He's better in run support. Um, he, he's better at making the big plays as far as interceptions go. I think the reason he's not starting, if I had to bet more than anything, is just the coaching staff having trust in Metellus being a three-year impact player um, and he's a true junior now so he's been playing you know for the past three years literally Um, so he's got that trust the coaching staff brad this is really his first year seeing action so it's going to take a little bit of time but the safeties are probably the biggest weakness on this team uh, outside of the offensive tackles and that's definitely something scott frost i know without a shadow of a doubt is going to try to pick on and that's something that scares me more than anything
2: Yeah, if we can just get some time for uh, whoever starts at quarterback, whether it be Martinez or Bunch, to set up and throw, um, there could be some opportunities within this offense with the athletes we have on the perimeter to get open, but it's all contingent upon getting that protection against that pretty damn fearsome Michigan front.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, One thing I want to mention, too, you talking about getting uh, big plays on the perimeter, Um, LaVert Hill, is one of Michigan's two starting quarterbacks along with David Long. Um, he was kind of the really hyped heir to Jordan Lewis, who's now with the Cowboys. Um, and he's kind of had a slow year, but look for David Long, and you're probably not going to pay attention to him if you don't look for him. Number 22 plays opposite um, on the perimeter because I do not have a stat in front of me but he has less than two completed passes on him this season, if I'm correct. Um, he's easily one of the most underrated guys in the entire country, if we're being honest, because two completed passes on you, I don't care who you are, um, especially playing an air raid like SMU last week. That's, that's pretty insane. So LaVert Hill has been a little bit more handsy. He's been getting called for some of those holdings and pass interferences. you expected him to get picked on. Um, last year by the refs, so look for David Long to shut down whatever side of the field he's on, and then look for Scott Frost and company to exploit, like I said, those slot um, plays across the middle, picking on the the safety man-to-man coverage, and then kind of taking advantage of LaBert Hill's tendency to get a little too handsy.
2: Definitely keep an eye out for it on Saturday.
1: Offensively, uh, we mentioned Patterson. There's not really... It, I mean, it's it's Michigan. There, there's never never seems like there's a shortage of weapons.
3: Yeah, you're right. Um, they've got a ton of weapons, man. Um, especially a wide receiver, this is this is a loaded core. They lost Freak Black, who had been hyped up over the past two years. Really played like three games last year. Got a broken foot, rehabbed the entire year. Could have come back for the bowl game. Harbaugh sat him out to get that red shirt. The week before the notre dame game breaks his other foot so heartbreak for him you, you, your heart's got to go after this guy no matter really what fan you are just to see him struggle and you see him out there on the field on the cart his mom in tears and the amazon documentary last year and then he breaks it um it's a shame but you got a guy nico collins six four six five out of birmingham alabama not too far actually from where i live watched him in high school the dude is a beast um High points of the ball like none other. Actually has deceptive speed, which is not a term um, I would have thought to use for him, but he just seems to blow by people, actually. And then you got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who kind of had a coming-out party last year. Five-star wide receiver, and actually the highest-ranked wide receiver recruit Michigan's ever had. Um, even bigger than Braylon Edwards, Mario Manningham, guys like that, Steve Reston. Um, and didn't really run a ton of routes at Kaz Tech in Detroit Um, but this year with Jim McElwain there, Roy Roundtree coming back uh, former Michigan wide receiver to be an assistant uh, they've really worked on his route on on his route tree, his route running getting off the line quicker and three touchdowns last week four over the uh, last two games compared to last year Um, he's really come on and he seems to be the favorite target of Shea Patterson and that's really the most important thing. Of course, you got the running backs, Kron Higden, Chris Evans. Um, they're expected to do great things. They're both supposed to be healthy this week, which would definitely take pressure off that passing game. But the wide receivers were something that was really needing an improvement, just getting off the line, getting going. And you've got two of the Big Ten's best now, Nico Collins and BPJ, as they call him, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So I would expect Patterson to look for them uh, early and often in this game.
2: Yeah, Husker fans are a little uh, familiar with DPJ. Yeah, visited for the Fresno State game back in sixteen.
3: Oh man, forgot about that. What a little spicy recruitment that was.
2: Yeah, so, knew there wasn't a shot in hell landing him. You know, him being from Detroit.
3: That 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 might have been outside of Rashawn Gary and Jabril Peppers. That that was a pretty big Tiger Woods air fist bump that I gave on that one. I'm not going to lie. That was, that was pretty cool. You kind of always felt like he was coming to Michigan, being from Detroit, both his parents, doctors graduated from Michigan. Um, But it's, it's one of those things you don't believe it until you see it. But Mm -hmm. yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely a special talent just as far as with his speed, athleticism, just kind of get the ball in his hands, get the heck out of the way kind of guy. Yeah.
2: That's he's, He's
3: an NFL-ready wide receiver coming out of high school. Is he's, he's good? Yeah, he's got the physical talent for sure. It's just going to be, you know, spending the next this season, and then you would think last or next season, sorry, would be his last at Michigan if he stays on this trajectory. Just kind of rounding out that that route tree, those little tendencies that he might have that aren't going to be mm-hmm. so good for the NFL, and just becoming a, an every-down player.
1: Josh, we don't uh, we don't ask our guests for predictions, so you're off the hook on that. Um, but uh, we appreciate your time, and we appreciate your insight into uh, the Michigan Wolverines. And, uh, of course, mazeinbrew.com is a Michigan SB Nation site. But, Josh, uh, where can anybody find you on social media?
3: So if you want to dive into the um, Dark Despair, which is my Twitter feed, you can find me at Josh LaFond, um, L-A, capital F, O as an Oscar, N as in Nick, D as in David. You can tell that I'm used to spelling out my name that way Yeah. Um, for lack of not being pronounced the correct way. But you guys did excellent with that. So props. Um, it's mostly Michigan-related. If by some chance you Nebraska fans have uh, found yourself as demented as I am and follow Detroit sports, there's a little bit of that stuff on there too. So. Uh, or you know what? If you just really hated this uh, interview and all my insight, you can also add me too. So we'll have a great time, guys. And, Feel free to reach out.
1: And I can, being a Southern Illinois guy, I can always hold the 05 World Series.
3: Congrats, buddy.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you you've you been you've been you've been getting me you're you getting pretty good on the Rudy, but you know if I can if I can get one jab in at the end. <laughs> I'm going well, to make that it was
3: the, that that was definitely a cheap shot. Um, I'm I'm not crying right now. I, I promise, guys.
1: It, it, um, enough time has passed, right?
3: What? I'm sorry. I'm not
1: <laughs> familiar with what
3: you said. What um, World <laughs> Series are you referring to? Uh, the uh,
1: Cardinals Tigers.
3: Oh, that um, actually happened. Oh, I'm sorry. I must erase that from my memory. Whoops.
1: Well, well played, well played. Uh, th- that is that is Josh LaFond. Uh, check him out on Twitter and on mazeandbrew.com. We will take a timeout when we come back. JDJ returns. John Dam Johnston, our fearless leader at coordination. He is back after this quick break on the 5 Heart
3: Podcast. All right, Josh, we're clear, man. All right, thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. Hey, um, we- you know, uh, hopefully next year it'll be a little bit more of a up matchup, I guess, and we'll definitely get together on it for sure.
1: Sounds good. I appreciate your time. And uh good. thanks, Josh. We will. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get this out on social media. I'll make sure that I tag you in it so that you can see it and uh and retweet it or whatever you need to do.
3: Yep, this will be fun. I'm sure I'll have some Husker uh, fans in my mentions. I had them uh, after the last uh, opponent Q and A, so this will definitely be a little treat for myself and uh, my s- sarcastic and demented, uh sense of humor. So, All thanks, right. guys. Appreciate we, it. We appreciate, it, man. Have a good evening. All right, yes, sir.
1: All right, bye. Hi, this is Greg Mahachko, the host of Nerds United on the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. And over the years that I've been running the Nerds United show, I've been fortunate enough to speak with many of my talented friends, both artists and writers, creators of comic books, but I've also spoken with some more recognizable names in comics and entertainment legendary artist Greg Land. Hey, we Greg's got to stick together. Writer Colin Bunn, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer and comic book creator, DMC, Daryl McDaniels, The Flash of Yesteryear, and in more recent memory, Flash's dad, John Wesley Shipp, and a lot more. And I encourage you to subscribe to the Nerds United podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, or you can check it out anytime you want on JitteryMonkey.com. And as founder of the Jittery Monkey podcast network, I really do appreciate your support. When you share a podcast, you help get our little corner of the podcasting world out to even more people. So anytime you do that, you really don't know how much we appreciate it. So share away.
2: He's probably passed
1: out wine drunk somewhere. He said said emphatically yes in all caps. To being drunk? No, I asked if he's ready. He's like, yes, let's fucking go.
2: (laughs) All right. (laughs) is that you john wayne what (laughs) how's it going oh fucking great (laughs) how's your week been man
0: god i'm exhausted i'm sorry
2: were you were you drinking wine out you know in the alley behind the liquor store with all the other winos when i don't know right before coming inside and you know getting on skype no but i do have a glass of red wine next to me.
0: I'll
2: consider that a strike.
0: Uh, okay, listen, I live in Minnesota, okay? There's not winos behind liquor stores here. It's an influential <laughs> suburb. Everything's nice. I live in the shittiest neighborhood in town, and it's still, you know, I wouldn't say it's upscale. This is all well, being okay, recorded.
1: We, now we have a town. We have a town. <laughs>
2: We're going to show up, me and Greg are going to show up at your door demanding to be taken to the finest steakhouse in Minneapolis oh, shit. sometime.
1: Wait uh, a minute. I, I'm going to demand to be taking, uh, taken out to the alley with all the other winos in your town. Well, that we could do
0: that.
2: Yeah, we well, <laughs> could conduct an ethnographic study.
1: I don't drink wine, but I'll bring beer. All right, buddy, you that ready? Son of a, hold on a second. No.
0: <laughs>
2: now I'm
1: having a problem. Uh-oh. Is it a medical? Do we need to call nine one one? No,
0: it's a goddamn Cisco <laughs> fucking piece of crap. I'm going to hang up. Call me
1: back. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I love it.
2: Oh, is... Never disappoints. Never.
1: And we're back to the Five Heart Podcast. I made grand overture with my arms, extending them wide. Nobody can see it because this is a damn audio show. Uh, Hoss Reuter is here, of course. He is cracking another cold course Banquet.
2: Yes,
1: sir. And the third leg of our tripod. This is a month... What? A month? I think it's a month now of John Damn Johnston. And everybody loves it.
2: John... Part of his community service.
0: The, the third leg of our tripod. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is that?
1: I mean, tripod has three legs. Hoss and I have Yeah, well, one. you know. <clears throat> I'm not, I was thinking... I'm not I'm, calling you a big dick.
0: Kind of what that's what I was going <laughs> with. I thought that was right up
1: there. No, I mean, I don't know you that well. Well, you know,
0: I've stayed married.
1: I I applaud you. You're my hero. Uh, so, John, you're in rare form tonight. Well, I was I I went down
0: and shot the game last weekend, and it was 110 degrees on the field, and I'm still trying to recover
1: from that. I the, think the announce crew. and I don't know if you watched the game uh, again, Haas, I know uh, did because he that's what he does, uh, pours over the game film. But the announce team uh, just kept you know on BTN kept focusing on that uh, several times throughout the telecast. They were you know showing that on the field thermometer and man, I felt bad for anybody who had to be down there. And uh, they had um, James Laurinaitis was uh, doing color commentary, and he says, yeah, you know, the, the turf gets really hot because, you know, the the black pellets that are used, and I've never been on on uh, that field turf or, or real turf or whatever its technical name is. But I imagine that for, for the players, uh, you know, it, it had to feel really uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, for you too, John, because you're old
0: wow (laughs) you just stopped there for a reaction it 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 is true i mean when you you i mean it was already hot in lincoln it was what 90 95 and you're thinking september man it's got to be starting to cool down but of course the earth is heating up and we're all going to die soon but uh when you walk onto the turf i mean it's it's I mean it just the temperature's up like I don't know fifteen twenty degrees, so yeah, for those guys to be down there huffing it around as they weigh you know two and three hundred pounds, you understand why players get cramps or why they get dehydrated. you know, I can't imagine how much weight an offensive lineman would lose in a game just from pure sweat mm-hmm. but it was it was uh you know. I mean, it, it, the whole place, I'd, maybe it was just me, but the whole place seemed to have a kind of a, I think that the, the, the tunnel walk was fine, the flyover was beautiful, and then I think that, the, I don't know, the whole place just seemed to have not as much energy as you would expect. And like I said, maybe that's my take on it, but I don't know.
3: Well,
2: we are the nursing home of college football. <laughs>
0: Now you. Now I. I went to. I went to volleyball that night. You walk in that place, and holy crap! That is a. That is a game experience that's unbelievable. I mean, well,
1: they're, that. They're that
0: whole crowd was electric, excited, energetic through all through all the sets. I mean. And I suppose you look at it and you go, okay, Nebraska Volleyball's a juggernaut. But I, I still think that they, just the way the crowd, you know, I can mean, put it this way. When, when Nebraska ran into trouble against Troy last Saturday, what did our crowd do? Fizzled out. They, they went silent. That's <clears throat> not how you support your team. You know, you're, when you're in a situation like that, basically, and, and
1: they went into surrender mode.
0: They kind of did. They just kind of went, here we go again. And you can feel it in the air. And, I, I you know, you can do all this freaking analytics crap all you want. But here's the thing about sports. When you have an electric clou- crowd, everybody feels it in the place. They can feel it. You know what I mean? You can feel the hair on your arms stand up when it's really good. And really what you felt in Memorial Stadium, I think, on Saturday was uh, this team didn't know how to respond. The crowd didn't know how to respond. The crowd didn't help them out. I'm not blaming the fans for that. But for crying out loud, if you're going to be proud of your sellout streak, put some effort into it. I know it was hot. I know you know, you didn't get out of that game what you wanted to, but I think the players were probably much more disappointed than we were. I mean, we all just went home. They have to go back to work. So, I just, you know, I, I guess I expect more energy. I don't think the student section had a problem because they're young, and I don't know, maybe they were hammed up. But,
3: you know, let, let,
0: let me ask you this. It's,
1: it's, silence of the place was kind of eerie. Let me ask you this, and this is for either of you who, you know, if you're able to answer, when was it that the student section was moved to the corner? Like, how many years ago was it?
2: Is that 07? Oh, was it? Yeah, when I think it was definitely when Osborne was athletic director. I think they moved it, tucked it down in there, and that that sucker needs to be behind the opponent's bench. You would think it would make the most sense to do that.
1: Maybe. The only reason I can I can imagine why it's there is because it's opposite of the hard cameras, you know, and and, and maybe they visually like having the student section over there, the boneyard. Um,
2: yeah, but they're tucked right back, you know. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but like from a TV perspective, you still can't see them all that well. True. I mean, they're yeah, tucked they are they are probably
0: in a position. They are probably in a position. In which they have the least impact on the game.
2: Absolutely, I mean, I mean, you, put you, you could put them on the the third post.
0: Yeah, you could put them on the third deck of the, you know, West Stadium. <laughs> Just you know, if you really didn't want them around, they, you know, if you moved them behind the opponent's bench, long-standing season ticket holder was was scream white moan. We had to move. We had these seats for forty-five years. You know, the the thing about this program is I get why you cater to the older generation because they're your big donors they're going to give you more money. But if you don't start doing something for the younger generation, you're not going to have any freaking sellout streak or any fans here in another 10 years. And I'm not talking about winning or losing. You still have to do something. Everybody bitches about the student section if they don't show up. I'll tell you what, one of the guys I was sitting next to on the field – during the game pointed up and he said there are not a lot of people up there and he pointed to like the upper deck on east stadium and there were a lot of empty seats up there
2: yeah i even noticed that in the after halftime of the colorado game i was i was in north end zone for that game and you know got back to my seats after halftime and you know as i was waiting for kickoff looked up to the east balcony and people had emptied out and they didn't come back even quite a no. few people in north end zone left at halftime of you know it's a season opener against an old you know nemesis from the big 8 big 12 era like you're leaving yeah and, you know granted I'll give them some leeway here north end zone is not a comfortable place to watch a game from i mean you're shoulder to shoulder with people that it's condensed even more so than, you know, south end zone or the east and west stadiums. And so I, I don't blame them on, you know, it wasn't really hot that day, but it was when you're packed in there like sardines with 90,000 people that, you know, ambient heat cranks up quite a bit. And uh, obviously kind of something that caters to younger fans.
1: Yeah. Obviously, we need a dome.
2: Oh, God, don't say that.
1: <laughs> that, would, that would have solved the Akron problem.
2: Oh, definitely. But you know what? I love late November football when, you know, you get those nasty days where it's like 10, 15 degrees, you know, games being played and you're out in the elements. Like, that's a religious experience.
1: Can can I uh, tack on to that point, Haas? And I believe that every once in a while, every few years, the Super Bowl should be played in, you know, a place like – Green Bay, yes. or you know Pittsburgh, or even Buffalo, uh, you know New York, a cold outdoor stadium. I think what you would do is you would bring out more of the pure football fans and do away with more, you know, get away from the people who are, I'm, I got tickets to the Super Bowl just to say that I was at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that type of thing. I, I, I think that you know that's that's me. Um, I don't have the, the scratch to go to a Super Bowl, so it doesn't affect me uh, one way or the other. Uh, I just think that that would be um you know kind of, kind of a nice you know uh, nice tip of the cap to the to the cold weather fans who you know may not you know I'm not saying they're
0: still fans
1: yeah but you know they they could casual know, yeah and you know what make make a uh, make the, the Los Angeles Rams play in in a uh, buffalo uh you know in January or, or first week of february that'd be fun
2: um, well, that's what I loved about when the Super Bowl forty nine was at the new MetLife Stadium. I, I was just praying that it would snow for that game. You know, Super Bowl out in the snow. How cool would that be? And instead, it's like, I think it's just like 40-some degrees and, you know, pretty balmy day for New York City in February. But, yeah, yeah. Th- those cold-weather games, it's more, the, uh, it's more the diehards that come out. It's kind of a, to borrow a line from the movie mm-hmm. The Program, which... As far as football movies go, that's very overrated. Not a fan. And uh, are,
1: are those you saying, cold weather
2: games, it's time to put the women and kids to bed and go looking for dinner.
1: Well, we all know that your favorite football movie is Rudy.
2: No, God, no. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. It's not as bad as I was giving you a hard time about. Know, but know. you know, And being an undersized offensive lineman slash defensive tackle, I totally identified with being five foot nothing. A hundred and nothing without a lick of God-given <laughs> athletic ability.
1: Uh, let, let's, Those who
2: can't do, teach.
1: Let's. Uh, we we got a, a tweet, a positive tweet uh, from our episode earlier this week. Hoss, I, I shared with you from a new listener, new follower at uh, the Number Five Heart Podcast on Twitter, uh, Harrison. I'm going to try to pronounce your last name, but uh, forgive me if I get it wrong, Harrison uh, Honehold. H-O-H-N-H-O-L-T. So, Harrison, there's your shout-out. Uh, he said, just listen to the Troy podcast. The thing I keep thinking about is how they kept playing. That would have been an easy game for them to quit, but that didn't happen. I think, you know, obviously, talking about the Huskers in last week's game. Um, you know, the I, 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 can, I agree with the sentiment. I, I don't think that the team gave up where maybe they would have a year ago. Um, I thought they kept battling, obviously, enough to make it interesting there at the end. Um, it just didn't just the ball didn't bounce their way. Uh, What's your guys' take? Do you think the Harrison's right?
2: Well, they didn't give up, but definitely didn't play well out of the gate. That (laughs) was first and foremost.
0: They shouldn't give up. I mean, it's the beginning beginning of their season. I mean, they listened to all this stuff during the off season about how the great they were going to be, and and now they're kind of not. So you know. I guess, you know, maybe some of them did. Maybe that was Tanner Farmer's comment about not everybody is bought in. You know, some of them just didn't play that hard or just kind of went, well, you know, this is good enough.
2: Or, Uh, you know, you have to consider their. Right now, this senior class has gone 28 and 25 in their careers at Nebraska. That's conditioned to losing. That's, you know, subpar, you know, just a hair above – you know, 500 football that they've been playing. So they're conditioned to not necessarily putting in the effort, you know, in all facets of what goes into being a good football team.
1: But to add on to that, the the seniors or, or you know, the, the fifth-year guys, this is their third coaching staff, you know, and, and some of the position oh, yeah. players or, or, you know, <laughs> maybe a change in defensive coordinator, we certainly saw. I mean, you know, some of the third-year guys, this is their third defensive coordinator. You know, um, there's been so much instability in Lincoln in the last, you know, you could say, you know, we, we can just keep the, the microscope on the last five years, but you can go back to, you know, 15, 20 years that there's – which is why I I still, you know, am, am – uh, uh, firmly behind Scott Frost and, and haven't wavered. And m- most most Husker fans, I think, haven't. But you've got to have a, a strong foundation, and I think that's what Frost and his staff are doing. Whereas there was a lot of bouncing around, uh, you know, from from the last, you know, like I said, five years. I mean, the, to to be on your third head, you know, coaching staff in in five years. First of all, that takes a tremendous amount of I don't know if loyalty is the right word, but commitment by some of these guys who are, you know, like, I'm going to stick it out. I, I, I chose Lincoln. I chose Nebraska. I didn't choose the coach per se. Uh, you know that, you know, helped obviously to an extent. But, but I, I chose to play for the Huskers, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna see that uh, commitment fulfilled. Uh, I, I tip my cap to any of those, you know, fourth, fifth year guys who are still here banging it
2: out. Absolutely. And, you know, much like William Tecumseh Sherman said, war is hell, transitions, coaching transitions are hell because you're dealing with a change in culture, a change in scheme. You got kind of a mismatched collection of players that were recruited for different schemes. And it it takes time to reset that all and rebuild the pieces, you know, put together the pieces in the way that you want your program to run.
0: Gotta know, you know, these damn kids these days back in the Korean War. You're a lieutenant to get shot out from underneath you and you just get another one.
2: Hey, John, I want to ask you was, <laughs> was it, it as hot in the summertime as it was in months. Korea?
0: Wow, well, Korea's. No, it's freezing cold in Korea. For God's sakes, go read about the, well, the River
2: Reservoir. It well, went on for three years. I mean, you got to figure that you were there in the summertime. In the yeah. We, we, we,
0: we didn't have none of this uh, what do they call that fabric, you know, the synthetic fabrics?
2: Dry fit.
0: Yeah, you, you know, Under Armour makes you stay cool when it's hot and hot when it's cool. Yeah. All right, you know what I think? I think last week's game plan by Scott Frost was way conservative. Oh, yeah. But that's that's just me. I only saw us throw the ball down the field like twice over twenty yards, and I, I I I realize that we have a backup quarterback, but I'm still thinking that we have Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman. They're two of the best dynamic players in the Big Ten. Throw the damn ball in the air. I list Yolo. That's what I want to see
1: against Michigan. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> never, never in my life did I think that that I would hear John Dam Johnson calling for more Yolo bombs.
0: Well, you know, I mean, you got to do it sometimes. Not not like you not. It's not like you're playing NCAA football on the freshman level, and you're just throwing the ball in Hill marys. I mean, but two two times out of what twenty eight pass attempts, if it, and Kurt Kurt Raftall made an exceptional catch there late in the game.
2: That was also a uh, beautifully thrown ball.
0: Yeah i oh, mean give the guy a chance. You know, you got Andrew Bunch back there. I mean, either let him play or you know, go send him on the bench and start the third string guy. That's well, that's what... I, I, this is why I'm not un, a coach. It's
2: unfortunate to see so much backlash against Bunch, you know, from Husker fans on social media because he was, I mean, he, he's limited compared to a guy like Adrian Martinez, but he was the least of our problems on Saturday, you know? Um, The game plan was conservative. We were putting too much on the backs of the offensive line to, you know, churn out yards. They're not there. They're not going to be able to, you know, without the threat of a mobile quarterback at this point in the season. And Bunch managed the game well, you know. He, he He made some mistakes. But on the list of things that went wrong, he's pretty far down on it. I agree with that. Where do we- John, how much do you hate Michigan? <laughs>
0: you know I don't hate Michigan. I really? don't. Yes, because when I was a when I was a young kid, uh okay, uh when I was years ago when we finally got TVs <laughs> and they put football on the TV, <laughs> that Michigan had wings on their helmets.
2: Oh boy.
0: OK, so when you only got to see like three, you got to see Notre Dame and Michigan and Ohio State and USC and UCLA, you know, games like that. You know, nobody ever heard of Bethune-Cookman. When you <laughs> saw that, when you were like five, you went, well, those are kind of neat helmets. And that's just sticks with you forever. So, so you like them. Yeah, a I
2: don't. Fan.
0: I don't know. Let's. Not what are you doing? I said I don't hate them. I didn't say I wanted to like
1: go to bed with their fan base. For God's sakes. Okay, wait. wait what would have been worse? Well, and, and answer me this sincerely. Obviously, Rotten Son didn't choose Nebraska. If he would have chosen Michigan, would, would that would he have been less rotten or, or more rotten than he worse? would Is have been now? more rotten? Okay. Right.
0: I understood why he chose Minnesota. He didn't want to move far away from home. Well, who would?
1: Who would want to, to get far away from the bastion of joy that is you, John Dam Johnston?
0: Exactly. And I, that that was my thinking. But if he'd have chosen to go to Ann Arbor, or I have a photo of him saying Isaiah Johnston is a Purdue Boilermaker, if he'd have chosen Purdue, he'd, son of a bitch, would have, I'd never come home. Either that or he'd come home and I'd leave. You know what I mean? Like what? He's coming home for the summer. I'm moving to Dallas.
2: It's even back. hotter down there.
0: I'll be back. It is. It's just nasty. I'll be back when football season starts.
1: I love it, John. I had an. But no, fight. I I don't hate Michigan.
2: You Man, should. I was really hoping you did. Jim Harbaugh.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean Jim Harbaugh is kind of a whack job, but you know.
2: I, I, he's I, I, he's at, the job Nash of college football coaches.
1: Would you say yeah. he's the Kevin Nash of college football coaches, Hoss?
2: Nah, he he's not Big Daddy Diesel cool, you know, but he's a, he definitely is a lot like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind.
1: Fair enough. See, I never watched that movie.
2: Oh, uh, dude, it's on Netflix, one of my favorite movies.
1: You know what my favorite Russell Crowe movie is?
2: Gladiator? Yeah. Yeah, damn I saw good movie.
1: it. I saw it on my 18th birthday.
2: Not exactly historically accurate, but still good.
1: It doesn't matter. We talked We talked about this in the previous segment about Rudy. Not necessarily historically accurate, but the best movie of all time.
2: I'm going to school to be a history teacher. The history, Bend, you know, it's tough to overcome.
1: And uh, I, I guess it, so that's completely subjective. I'm not, I don't actually think Rudy's the greatest movie of all time. It's just my favorite. Um,. Uh, I, I That that's the uh, uh, hill I'm going to die on. Uh, me and hey, me, we've all got our hills and we've all got our reasons. Me and my DVD of Rudy. We, we're just gonna we're just gonna go there. I together. do own that movie. Everybody should. It's damn inspirational, even if it's hogwash. I get it. I do. Uh,
2: plus, John. Yes. Did you do? Did you have a crazy celebration when Amir Abdullah? Dove over the goal line in 2013 in Ann Arbor.
0: You know what? I, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember that game. Really? I don't. Well, I mean, that's part of the missing memory thing. Now, the the bad ass kicking that we got. When was it? Ann Arbor, forty five to seventeen. Was it?
2: Oh, 2011. Oh, yes, yeah, I re- I
0: remember. I remember an exact tweet I made during that game. Uh, because, and that's my memory. It's kind of selective, but, uh, I, 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 uh, I got up there. I went to the beer store in the third quarter and I told people on Twitter, I'm going to the beer store. And then when I got back, I said, yeah, the guy at the beer store made fun of me about the Michigan game right up until the point I shot him. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and, I, and I did. I walked into the beer store, and he looks at me, and he goes, he points at the TV. And I, I seriously, if I'd have had, I wouldn't have shot him. Good God, I'd have freaking shot at him. Maybe shot him in the leg. You know, just to wound him, prove a point. Whoa. Anyway, but no, I I don't. I It's, it's funny. I think that, uh, you know, I mean, we've seen articles about the 97 team. And I'm kind of tired of having the '90s come up every bloody damn time we talk about Husker football. But uh, we have a two-game winning streak
2: going against Michigan. Yes, we do. But you know, 13. We're,
0: but you know, twenty-three we, to nine
2: and 17-13.
1: Unfortunately, you know, what we also have is like a six-game losing streak, which is the longest in the nation. Uh, it
2: ends Saturday.
1: All right, I was going to say let, let's let's get to our predictions let's get the hell out of here yeah okay. i would
0: say this I, I will say this i don't hate michigan but on the other hand i'd love to see us beat them and the, just because of the inferiority complex of we're not good enough and ohio state keeps beating their ass and their rivals keep beating their ass and just having the inferiority complex uh, creep up in them and just knowing that we caused another fan-based anxiety and the need to <laughs> swallow more antidepressants—that I, I, that, that I, I love. That concept,
1: I love that. I like your style. I love that submersive, uh, uh, mental anguish you want to impose on our on our opponents. I like no
2: that. survivors.
0: Yeah, exactly. All I'm right. a mentally healthy person.
1: Well, that makes one of us, yeah, two of us. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out of, of that ring. Uh, all right. I'm so, uh, all right. So John, since you are wanting to see uh, a fan base, uh, not Nebraska's implode uh, from within what's, what's your take, what's your prediction for Saturday? 50 to three. Ooh. That is 19 That's points away from uh uh Ryan Tweedy's favorite prediction every week. Well, I didn't say it was us going to win.
0: <laughs> Okay, well, here's the thing. I don't. I think that our chances of winning this game are very low. And just so you know, the last time Nebraska started the season zero and three was 1945, the end of World War II. The war I did not fight in. No, that, that, that,
1: it was actually. <laughs> but, it, it was, if I remember correctly, my timeline may be off, but it was probably the year you were conceived. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was really close there. It was really close. But uh, here's what I I want to see. I want to see a Nebraska team that on offense goes out and becomes very aggressive. I mean, we're going in there, and I don't think Adrian Martinez is going to play. If there's any question about his health at all, he shouldn't play. You know, we still have a long ways to go to get better. I don't think our offensive line is going to be able to block Michigan's defensive line. So it don't. Don't try to – I don't want them to – I don't get paid $5 million a year to coach. But here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see like Kirk Ferenc's football where we try to lengthen and slow down and make the game go faster by slowing – you know, running the clock down and running the ball all the time. I want to see insanity. I want to see screens and misdirection and throwing the ball. If you want to call it a YOLO bomb, whatever, I think Stanley Morgan down the field is a pretty decent bet. You know, So if you're going to go in there and you're just going to say, well, we hope that our offensive line can block these guys, well, screw that. And if we lose by being extremely aggressive – I don't think I'll be too upset with that, although I'll act that way because we have to when we're, like, writing articles. If you don't have strong opinions, then nobody reads them, and that's how it goes. But uh, 50-3, to I'm not picking a winner.
2: I'll do it for you, and this goes against conventional wisdom, and it's likely to not happen, but when I make predictions, I never pick against my team. Nebraska 21, Michigan 19. We have a goal line stand on a Michigan two-point conversion to end the game. I like it. Gosh dang.
1: I like that a lot. And based on our, you know, what we were talking about, Haas with uh, Josh LaFond of of uh, uh, maizeandbrew.com, uh, the defensive line for Nebraska, I'd almost go to so far as to say that the front seven, especially if Mo Berry is, is back, has potential to be extremely disruptive. Oh yeah! I again be, because I'll I, I'd go zero and twelve on my picks before I pick against Nebraska. Uh, so I'll say the Huskers by three. And how about how about a little bit of fun? How about a little bit of Barrett Pickering pulls his head out of his ass and, and wins it uh, on a field goal in the last couple minutes. I like it. I like it a lot. Twenty-four, twenty-one. I believe in the freshman.
2: Yeah. I, you know what? Yeah. An 11 a.m. Twilight Zone Big Ten football game goes our way for once.
1: It's, it's our game. Because that's
2: all it. that the 11 a.m. kickoffs are in the Big Ten. They're the Twilight Zone. Well, that For Stephen and, King fans out there, they're the dirty main of college football.
1: And if you think about it, too, they're. It's it's the, the it's the game slot, the time slot where crazy things
2: happen. Yeah. And I mean who would have thought that Troy would be up seventeen nothing at one point? Yeah. Uh I mean, so I'm not saying that we're you know that we're this great team that they shocked, but you know, those eleven AM games they kind of tend to favor teams on the road a little bit. You're already on edge being on the road, you kinda, you know, channel that into the game and a little bit more like fun. John said. Just go out there and be aggressive, you know. Have an aggressive game plan. Play aggressively. Just let it all hang out and, you know, see what happens at the end.
1: Very excited for uh, this week's game: Nebraska and Michigan from the Big House. Eleven o'clock is the kickoff. Uh, check local listings because I don't know what channel it's on. Probably is it? In, is it a uh It's
0: Fox Sports One. I hey, think that's why.
1: No, it's the it's the regular Fox channel. Oh, it is. Yeah, that that's why I keep you guys around to fill in my blanks. Uh, that will do it uh, for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, as always, we thank John Dam Johnston for joining us because I know it's old. I know he's missing his repeats of Murder She Wrote. I apologize to you, John. Um, Golden Girl. I, you know what, I th- I think he's he's got a, a a soft spot for Angela Lansbury. I think I
0: I th- think it was Three's Company okay let's move on now
1: <laughs> uh, All right so that's John yeah, Dan for, for uh, John Dan John Dam Johnston I can't talk Hoss Reuter my name is Greg Mahatchko. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode and uh, interacting with us on social media. you can find all those links on the post and we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John.
2: Go Big Red! Let's get after it and win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more
3: jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.